All right, welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, BK, and alongside me this week, we have the same two uh, hooligans that we always have. Um, uh, in studio, we have Scott, also known as Fordham Ram on the site. Scott, how's it going? It's going pretty well, yeah. We've got three people on here today corresponding to the uh, three wins the Reds have on the season. One for each Reds win. I like it. And uh, joining us remotely from the... The uh, high altitude of Denver, Colorado, it's uh, our buddy, Wick. Uh, Kevin Mitchell is Batman. How's it going, Wick? Hey, guys. I'd like to say hello to all of the, uh, the seven people that will hear this around the world tonight. All, all seven? Uh, tonight? Dude, it's going to take me at least two days. Well, all right. So if it's – I mean, if if we – the three of us represent the three Reds wins – and our, si- our six listeners will represent the Reds' losses yeah. so far this year. We also correspond to three of the seven people that will hear this <laughs> podcast. Okay. What, I'm, I'm not listening to it after this. There's no way. There's no chance. What, what if it's a really good one, though? You don't know. Yeah. You don't know right now. Yeah. What if? <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, we're uh, recording on Wednesday evening, um, right after the Reds ended their series in St. Louis, end of the road trip. They're coming back home. Um, there's an off day on Thursday. Uh, they will come back home and play Tampa on Friday. Um, the road trip itself was pretty Awful. pretty rough for the most part. I mean, there was a little bit of a silver lining um, to, today on Wednesday's game. But for the most part, it was a lot of close games, a lot of really kind of heartbreaking losses. And uh, let's, let's just begin with that. So, uh, you know, nine games into the season, I mean – I I don't know. I'm not I'm not really uh chicken littling right now. The sky is not falling for the Reds in my in my world. I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? Well, I mean, uh, I agree it's too early to use any of the stats or any of the uh you know, results, you know, three series into the season as a way of saying that this team is destined to either uh, win a World Series or, you know, finish in the bottom five of the National League. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think the first two weeks of the year, the first week and a half of the year, it's, you know, some of the flaws that we thought this lineup has had and what the Reds have had, you know, it's contributed to part of of their ineffectual performance so far. Mm -hmm. You know, their lineup isn't, you know, has holds in it. They try to put some uh, round pegs and some square holes and just hope that they stick, much in the same way as we did last year. Yeah. Uh, the starting pitching's been solid. The bullpen, the back end of it has been shaky because most of, but, mostly all of our good players are injured. So I, yeah. Trevor Bell is not going to be pitching on this team in July and August and September. So, you know, to, to, yeah, well, we hope, exactly. <laughs> so to pin his performance as, uh, you know, some sort of indication on how the Reds are going to perform as a team in 2014 is, you know, his asinine. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, Trevor Bell's allowed five runs in two-thirds of an inning. Mm-hmm. You know, he's allowed five of the 31 runs that the Reds have allowed so far this year. Like that, and you've got, what, Rolls Chapman... Uh, Broxton is back but hasn't pitched yet. And uh, Sean Marshall on the DL uh, with Latos, too. You've got, what, $28 million worth of pitcher salaries on the DL right now. And somebody who probably will never pitch for the Reds again and maybe not in the major leagues again uh, has given up 
what's what's one sixth? Uh, uh, what like you know, sixteen, seventy percent of the runs you've given up allowed this year? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's something the Reds have to worry a whole lot about. It's uh, it's been unfortunate that it's happened that way, but at the same point, like if that's what's been basically the defining factor. I mean, they've allowed thirty-one runs and scored twenty-seven. You take out Trevor Bell and they've had a positive run differential so far this year, just by playing the best team in the National League six times already. So it's uh, yeah. Somebody made a comment earlier today. They they haven't been out of a game yet. Mm-hmm. They've been in every game that they played. They've lost most of them, some of which was the bullpen's fault. And uh, you know that, that that's that's not the kind of thing that's either A, sustainable, or B, that's going to continue to happen as more good pitchers get put back in uh, healthy in the back of the bullpen. So it's uh, kind of a bummer. Right. So, and actually a fun fact about uh, Trevor Bell. So outside of like the whole like clown business that, and people think, seem to think that we really care about, but we kind of don't. So Trevor Bell right now has a 67.5 ERA. The last pitcher to have a 67.5 ERA. Oh, was it Jeff Austin? No. Oh. No, but it was a red. Paul Wilson? No. Jimmy In- Anderson. Oh, no, no. Way, 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 way back. Oh. Joe Nuxall. Or Joe what? Nuxall. Oh, shoot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Joe, Joe Nuxall. Joe Nuxall in his age 15 season. That's right, yeah. Gave up five runs and recorded two outs, which is exactly what Trevor Bell has right now. What do I win for getting it right on my fourth <laughs> you, guess? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I, but, win, uh, I win the ability to root for a pitcher with a 67 ERA. Right. You, you get to enjoy the fact that he is not really on the team right now anymore, yeah. probably. So, But, uh, you know, I, I agree with, with what you guys are saying. I'm not really... Freaking out right now. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that the Reds are so injured. And, you know, it, you kind of, you look at the team and you think, you know, oh, well, you know, most of the starting position players are there. Most of the starting rotations there. But then again, the bullpen is the big reason why. I mean, the bullpen lost, single-handedly lost three of these games. And, you know, if that hadn't happened, the Reds would be... What six and three instead of three and six? Right, and so even, yeah. nobody would be freaking out at all. So, and even without Latos, the starting rotation's been fantastic. Leak today pitched a, an incredible game. Yeah, Leak uh, was great. Yeah, you know, his previous game, but for two really, really just bad pitches to uh, Lucas Duda, uh, he would have uh, had the same results today as, or same results then as he would have today. Mm-hmm. Homer's kept his team in games. Uh, when he hasn't had his best stuff, which is the most thing, which is the best thing that you can say about somebody, right. you know, in terms of being an effective starter, because either they get shelled and your team is out of it from the get go, or even on their worst days, they're you know they at least give the team the opportunity to win. And then Alfredo Simon, who yeah. thanks to I guess the possibility of Mount Laitos being out for a questioned amount of time, you know, yeah, he may he he, may, he yeah. could not have done a better job. With the circumstances that he was dealt coming into the season. Yeah, seven strong innings. I yeah, mean. I mean, yeah, I don't think you could have asked for more from Alfredo Simon so far. And uh, our friend of the podcast, uh, Joel Luggan, tweeted earlier today that the Reds have four game scores uh, by pitchers over 70 this year, which is the most <laughs> for the majors. And wow. none of them have been from the two best pitchers of 2013 because Homer Bailey's not pitched well twice and Matt Latos hasn't pitched yet. 
Right. So yeah, the starting pitching's been fantastic. Yeah, uh, Alfred is something included, but you know the Reds are what they're three and six. They're three games out of first right now, which is uh, closer to first place than they were in September of last year when they were an anyone team. So there's, you know, they're <laughs> as bad as things have been. They've already gotten six games against the Cardinals out of the way. They haven't played great against them, but that six fewer games they have to worry about down the stretch. Um, and they and haven't. They're yeah. still right there. And they're not the Cubs. Yeah, they're not the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, and it's. I think that when you look at the red schedule too coming in, you know, you could tell just by looking at how their April was shaping up that it was going to be a rough April. I mean, you have um, you have five of four of the first five series against teams with uh, winning records last year, and that includes the next homestand, which is you know not going to be much easier against Tampa and Pittsburgh. Right. I mean, the Reds are not the Cubs, and they have not yet had a chance to play the Cubs. Right. Which they get what, what eighteen games against this year. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's it's a weathering the storm kind of month, and. Despite the fact that they're three and six, you know they're they've they've been in every game. They've had a chance to win every game they played in, and you know ultimately that's just a couple breaks and bounces here and there, and a couple of Trevor Trevor Bell uh, appearances. So, mm-hmm. well, this is I don't think Trevor Bell has ever been mentioned on a podcast more than he has been in the past nine minutes. No kidding. Lead off, Trevor Bell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Let's let's go from one end to the spectrum, the Trevor Bell end to. Uh, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And uh, Billy Hamilton today. I mean, you know, let's I, let's talk about him a little bit because I think that he, of everybody coming into the season, I think he had the uh, highest expectations, especially for a guy who really hasn't been there before. I mean, you know, he's he got, what, was it 11 or 13 games last year or something? Some, not a lot of games. And so, you know, it's really – he was kind of thrown into the fire, and I think that the Reds' early success is going to kind of hinge on how how Billy takes to that leadoff role and how he – how the team kind of reacts to him as an everyday player. And I think looking at this game, this Wednesday game, I think that's really the first time that we've seen exactly what he's capable of as far as being a disruptive presence in the lineup. I mean, not only in terms of being a game changer with his speed, that's correct, uh, but Hamilton also is really the only legitimate the option the Reds would have uh, if he gets on base enough to be a leadoff guy. The Reds absolutely do not have anybody else on their team that can actually do that mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their on-base percentage and what they can tr- contribute well, to the he's team. Walked, he's walked a couple of times, too. Yeah, is, he walked once which today. Which is really, really yeah. encouraging. Yeah, he was 3-for-4 uh, today against the mm-hmm. uh, Wednesday against the Cardinals and was on base four times with yeah, uh, two which, stolen bases. Which Two stolen bases, two runs scored out of the four that the Reds mm-hmm. had. I right. mean, he was... He was the, I mean, focal point of the offense today, and that's that's so key for how the Reds are going to be able to score runs in 2014. Right, and Yadier Molina, I mean, he's the best defensive catcher, arguably, in the National League and in all of mm-hmm. baseball. And the bunt that Billy Hamilton laid down today, there was absolutely no chance that Yadi could get it, and if he couldn't get it, nobody else in baseball can get it. If he's able to put that down with some regularity, you know, that's the argument that we've had 
you know, the past couple of seasons with Drew Stubbs. Boy, if he could only learn how to bunt. Yeah. Hamilton seems to know how to bunt. If he can place it right there, there's no reason why he could not get on base, you know, at a very healthy clip. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing about Billy that, that has always kind of irked me in the national media, national spotlight, has been how much emphasis uh, uh, national writers will put on his 2012 steal total but then his 2013 on-base percentage. Right. Um, they'll be like, oh, he was only a 308 on-base percentage in AAA, but he's the guy who stole 155 bases the year before. Well, he stole 155 bases the year before because he walked 86 times and had an on-base percentage of over 400. Right. Um, he's shown the ability to take walks. He showed it in spring training again this year, too. He showed it in uh, his September call-up and limited action last year, too. Um, that's, to me, more than him being overpowered at the plate and, uh, you know, incapable of getting solid contact. That's the most important part. And he's shown that in the past, and he's shown it so far this year. He's put together, you know, after his his initial uh, outing against Adam Wainwright, where he looked pretty silly, he's put together some good at-bats. He's Mm -hmm. taken a lot of pitches, and he's shown that he does have the capability to recognize a solid major league strike zone. And if he can take walks the way he has, uh, that it not just benefits him once he gets on base, but it changes the way people pitch to him too. Um, if he's not up there hacking away and swinging at pitches out of the zone, uh, pitchers can't keep throwing him what Wainwright, what Wainwright did, which is curveballs at his ankles and expect him to keep swinging at him. So right. that, that, that's, that's something I think that that's kind of the key to his entire season. Yeah, nobody's expecting him to hit, you know, 311 like he did uh, over the course of two levels in 2012. But what they're asking him to do is just do what you can to get on base. And I think he's got that ability to do it as long as he just, you know, takes the uh, the slight bit of advice from Joey Votto and maintains his patience because he's shown he can do it. So, Right, and even watching opening day, I mean, Adam Wainwright not only made Billy Hamilton look silly, he made Joey Votto and Jay Bruce <laughs> Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's what Adam Wainwright does. He's one of the best pitchers in the National League. Uh, To make some some corollary to, uh, you know, Hamilton's performance uh, with the point that you raised, Wick, uh, uh, with, you know, looking at his numbers in double A and triple A in terms of his OBP, uh, you know, differential and his steal total differential. I mean, I know it's only been two games back, but Devin Misarocco so far this year has looked mm. incredible as uh, you know, as that added bat that we need and to uh, you know, since becoming healthy. And he's also somebody that, you know, Every took some, back. yeah, that's taken some time to adjust to each level of uh, mm-hmm. play that's once always, he's progressed. That's always been what he's, his MO everywhere he's been. Right. So, yeah, it, yeah. it took him some time to learn triple a pitchers and uh you know last year was a bit more of a learning curve as it was in 2012 to learn major league players and now that mm. uh, well now that he's actually going to get that time behind the plate absolutely he's going to get yeah. more reps and now that he, I think I think this year is really where he's most comfortable so far I think I think the Devin Mezzarocco we've seen you know in spring training and then in limited time so far this year is is Really, you know, it's it's a different Devin Mazzarocco to an extent, and I think that that's going to bear out. Yeah. yeah, which is really needed with our lineup. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brian Payne is not going to go uh, 
three for four every day. So. No, not every day, but he's <laughs> he's a good second option I'm, as catcher. I'm, you know, I'm I'm very pleased with that signing. Yeah, you know, I'm happy with him so far, but I, I'm not positive that he's an everyday guy either. No. Yeah, yeah. Brian Cage is going to be a better backup catcher this year than Mesoraco has been a backup catcher the last two years. Sure. The question is, is you know, is Mesoraco going to be a better starter or primary catcher than Hannigan had been? And obviously, you know, Mez is going to be better than Hannigan was last year because, you know, well, well assuming he Mez is yeah. not hurt this year the way he got off the, the, the start of, and assuming, you know, that Hannigan was hurt last year, Mez is going to be an improvement on that single season. But, yeah, as the starting catcher goes, he's got the tools, he's got everything he needs, and Pena is a very, very good option to face tough righties, you know, once or twice a week. And that's uh, – and he's hilarious by all accounts. So, yeah, yeah the, the, the catching situation is probably going to be improved off of last year. Whether or not it's going to be better than what Hannigan could have provided this year is the question. But still, you know, had Hannigan been here, that doesn't give Mezzarocco the full chance to go. So, Right. In terms of our performance, I would be happy if our – you know, in terms of from the catcher position, our 2012 uh, performance matches, I guess, or 2014 matches 2012 when we had uh, Hannigan and Deanna Navarro, uh, right. I guess, on the right. team. Uh, yeah. And Pena, Pena reminds me quite a bit like Deanna, just, you know, with personality. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, you know, though I have to say, even if one of them does fall down and gets injured, you know, Tucker Barnhart was performed pretty well in his limited stint this past week too mm-hmm. you know so he should be ready anytime soon i think hopefully at least defensively he that. certainly is yeah. uh you know now it's just a matter of getting the bat together and, right i think for a backup catcher i think that's the most important part is can he handle the defense behind the plate can he handle the pitchers and i think that tucker showed that he can do that so far so, tucker tucker i hardly know where <laughs> i finished it for you look at that <laughs> Uh, 2014's officially underway. Yep. We're in mid-season form already, boys. Yep. So, <laughs> all right, next thing, I think uh, I think we should kind of talk about this Matt Latos thing. You know, he, uh, as, as we're sitting here uh, recording this, he was scheduled to pitch yesterday in a rehab start. Is that, it was yesterday, right? Uh, Tuesday in AAA. Tuesday yeah. in AAA. Because I yeah. think I remembered it because of the alliteration. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he got scratched from that start, um, and Bre- Brian Price has been kind of cryptic about this whole thing since it happened. I mean, th- right after you know word came down that he got scratched from the start, Brian Price said, you know, hey, I'm not going to comment on it right now, which did not really sit well with, with the fans, I don't think. I think that uh, we were pretty worried about it, but... Uh, no, I now that they said that he has some elbow inflammation, I think is what it's what it ended up being. So, um, I don't know. I mean, how how do you think that the Reds have handled this situation? I mean, it sounds a lot like you know, it reminds me of you know, Sean Marshall being almost back last year, Rockton being almost back at some point, and you know, it's it just kind of screams that with this Reds medical staff. Right. I mean, the Reds have been very cryptic, as you said, uh, regarding uh, the health of Matt Latos. And it's really par for the course with how it seems they deal with uh, 
the worst injuries imaginable for pitchers, which is the reason why most of the Reds fans are concerned, including myself, because their company line sounds an awful lot like it did last year with Sean Marshall. And uh, it did also last year with Jonathan Broxton. I mean, remember we were saying uh, last year we dealt with the situation of Jonathan Broxton supposedly saying he's perfectly fine. He's ready to pitch. So Dusty goes out there and pitches him. And the next day, he's DL'd for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has yet to pitch since then in a major league game. Right. Um, similarly, uh, is the case with Sean Marshall. Marshall, And even before that, there was the issue with Nick Massett. Uh, in terms of, we don't know when he's going to pitch, but he, we think he's going to be ready sometime soon. He's just mm-hmm. marinating. Well, the guy still hasn't pitched. And beforehand, he had major league stuff. So it makes sense for Reds fans at this point to at least begin to brace for the worst on what exactly is going wrong with Matt Latos. Because remember, in the offseason, he had the elbow surgery and he also had a knee problem. Each of those things – pardon me? Yeah, I was going to say that that's where I I think this all kind of comes together is that, you know, had had Latos not had uh, the knee issues from slipping on the mound on day one of – you know, when pitchers and catchers report, I think you would have seen a report of them closing him down at some point in spring training due to elbow inflammation. Because he had surgery and he had, what, bone spurs or bone chips removed. There was an elbow issue there that was going to simply take some time to kind of recover from and get over because his Mm -hmm. normal pitching routine was somewhat altered. The knee kind of threw like a a two- to three-week wrench into that. And he never really had the chance to fully build up everything. Um, had the, the torn meniscus never happened, I, I was kind of expecting them to have a, a, a cautious approach and a slower start to the season because of the elbow surgery he had. And hopefully, from what they've told us, it's nothing more than that. It's just it's a normal, um, you, you had somebody cut your elbow open and take something out of it. You're not the same position you were entering the last five seasons. Um, and I, I, I kind of anticipated that happening a little bit. The knee just kind of pushed it back a month. So hopefully it's preventative. Hopefully it's overly cautious the way they said. But at the same point, it's it's struggling. You know, we're now looking at having pretty much the best starter over the last two years for the Reds not be an option for the mm-hmm. entire first month and maybe longer, which is um, – it's a, uh, it's a little bit, a little bit hard to take, especially when you look up in your teams three and six. Um, mm. But at the same point, uh, I, I, I'm holding out hope it's going to be something that's less of a, uh, a season long thing and more just a recovery from said surgery. Yeah, I mean, like elbow inflammation is never a good thing. Obviously, it's worse of a thing if you haven't recently had surgery because that means something's wrong that they didn't already know was wrong. The fact that he had somebody go in, cut his elbow open, and look at it, determine what was wrong, fix it, and then he had elbow inflammation on his comeback. I, I tend to want to side with the fact that that's just recovery from said injury and from being inactive longer than he would have liked. And so I'm, I'm, I'm reserving judgment in that regard until I see something different. But it definitely makes me nervous, no doubt. We we do have a couple of uh, questions from the uh, readers and listeners. The fun bag. 
Yes, we got one Twitter question, and <laughs> looking through the uh, the thread on the site, maybe one askable question. So, <laughs> yeah, I figured I'd throw it out there. Of the 30. <clears throat> so, uh, let's, let's start with uh, the Twitter question. It's from our, our buddy Matt Brown, Brown11B on Twitter, asks, How long will the Reds have a black hole offensively from shortstop? Well, we're going on what two years now? We're going uh, on way long. We're lo- we're going on since Lurkin. Yeah, since Hope. Felipe Lopez. Yeah, well, Felipe, Felipe Lopez. Felipe was, the, was Lopez was one of the more maddening ones. Actually, I was get, trying to give some props to Royce Clayton. Uh, <laughs> no, he was he was pretty bad. Was a black hole on defense. Yeah, he was not a good hitter either. Yeah, he he could play second base, shortstop, and third base all very poorly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, I to answer this question, I I believe that you know it's looking like that for the foreseeable future. You know, you, you know, you think that they might be able to get creative with the Stephen Drew. You know, if push comes to shove, and you know they're they're one player away come the end of the season, but you know, for now, you know, Cozart's the guy. There's not really anyone coming up through the system that you expect to take his spot. You know, really, the next what the next guy in line is, you know, Brody Green, I guess, down in Double A. Devin Lowman. Devin Lowman. Yeah. But and, uh, each of whom are basically the same. They're good glove guys who hit about two fifty and don't walk a whole lot and can mm-hmm. maybe hit it past the dirt. Yeah. Hey, DJ Gregorius is on the market. I would, yeah, I'd have him back. He's, yeah, in retrospect, yeah, he's he's looking like a better guy going forward than Kozar, maybe. Well, yeah, if we just <laughs> use his sample size of his first month in Arizona, though, because yeah. he kind of fell off the wayside, too. And Kozar traditionally is a street, very, very streaky player, particularly one that does not start the season off well. Yeah. Uh, last year... You know, we were calling for him to go down to AAA for a period of time, you know, within the first two months of the season. Yeah, and I think I think Reds fans in general, this just the way that this fan base operates, it's very, very averse to streaky players like that. You know, you look at, you know, Jay Bruce's first couple of years where he was that guy too. and Adam you know, Dunn. Oh, well, yeah, hit yeah. the nail on the head. You know, I, I think those are guys that kind of get bad raps here and, you know, not always deservedly so. I mean, I don't. I don't. Wouldn't go as far to say as that. You know, Cozart's going to be an all star. You're not going to win the Silver Slugger Award or anything. But you, why know, can't, you know what you're getting on defense. And, why can't Zach Cozart play more like Chris Steins and Ryan Friel? <laughs> <laughs> and not just that, but like you look up at what and Dalton Simmons, who just signed a five, six year contract extension, and he didn't yeah. have an on base percentage over 300 last year, did he? Or it was right at. 300, roughly. Yeah, they're they're very similar when it comes to you know and, and you small at, sample uh, size, obviously. Look at, Desmond. Yeah. look at Ian Desmond, for instance, who has had a couple of twenty home run seasons back to back, and hasn't been signed to extension yet. And everybody looks up at him and says he's not worth the money. He still can't, you know, he's 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 not what you're looking for in a guy who's going to make fifteen to twenty million dollars a year. So uh, the short start market is it's weird to begin with because there isn't really a uh, an offensive juggernaut that's going to be available in the next couple of years to drive the market price and all the rest of the guys are pretty similar in that they're good glove guys who 
can swing with some power every now and then, hit about 250 and not take a walk. Right, so. and the, the only one that you could think that may be on the market, and the Reds would have to incur a boat ton of increased payroll, is maybe Elvis if Profar, you know, mm-hmm. performs... Yeah. Materializes well, it, and performs the way that they anticipate and him to he materialize. He ends up at shortstop too. That, yeah, exactly. You know, if he stays healthy, because he, he, he yeah. might end up at third. He might end up at second. second. There's, right. you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to stay at shortstop. Right, exactly. And you know, if the Rangers, if they, if there's one thing that they do, it, it's plug somebody in as long as they can perform offensively. They can right. be absolute black holes on defense because they play in a band box anyway. Right. So. And what did, what did Elvis Andrews do offensively last year? He did not do that well last year. Uh, he, actually, he's been all right so far this year, though. He's been all right so far this year, but, you know, he signed a seven-year, 54, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was marginally better than Cozart, who's not locked in long-term. That's true. So, yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. You had a 659 RPS. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody... Make sure he makes every play that's hit to him. Make a couple outstanding plays and swing with any value on offense. You've got somebody who's your starter until they can't run anymore. And that's what Cozart is, you know. I mean, hell, Elvis Andrews hit 248 with a 296 on base percentage left. Right. Well, I mean, you know, know, that's, that's basically what Cozart did. And he's not signed to that. So it's, uh, it's, it's, there's not a whole lot else out there. And I think that, you know, especially with the shortstop position in this city, um, I think that, you know, fans here are accustomed to having a Davy Concepcion type, a Barry Larkin type guy who stays here forever. And, you know, every once in a while, you're not always going to have that guy available. You know, sometimes you're going to have that Ron Oster type where he's just kind of pretty good. And, you know, he'll stick around for the team for, you know, seven, eight years or whatever, whatever however long guys like that are. And but, you know, those are guys that, you know, end up with a pretty big contribution to the team despite not being one of the superstars. And then fans will be angry when he doesn't get the managerial job. Yeah, yeah. Zach Kozar could end up being that guy at some point, you know. It's, it's true. Natural tendency among people when you look up and realize that somebody is what they are and they're not going to be any better. And then right. when they when they create that friend that is this is the best they can be, then suddenly you're looking for somebody better. You know, there's always that hope and prospects of um, you know they're going to turn the corner and they've got a chance to improve upon the system they've already shown. Kozner's not that guy. You know, he's he's not that guy anymore. He is what he is. He's can hit 250, not take a lot of walks, and be a great defender who can hit you 15 home runs a year. Um, but he's also 28 years old. So, you know, you look up beyond him, and it's like, okay, two years from now, he's not going to be a defensive wizard anymore. Who's there? And there's nobody. Right. So. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I think I think uh, the last thing that I want to touch on just real quick is, uh, you know, the series we have coming into town now. Um, I think that we have, what, the Rays for three and Pittsburgh for three. The Rays will see the return of Ryan Hannigan to Great American Ballpark, mm-hmm. guy that, you know, obviously Reds fans tend to know pretty well at this point. Um, 
you know, what do you guys foresee being a good uh, a good homestand here? What should we be aiming for? Well, I'd at least like to see the Reds win one series so far, beginning with uh, you know the series against the Rays. Uh, the Rays recently, it sounds like they're also going through some injury problems as well. I mean, Matt Moore is out indefinitely, right. and he very well may require UCL surgery, uh, which kind of takes our problems with Matt Latos and places it into a little bit of perspective Yeah, because Latos at least pitched five days ago. Matt Moore is probably not going to pitch for the next couple of months. Uh, and he is out too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I would like to see the Reds take at least two out of three with, uh, with the Rays and then do the same thing with the, with the Pirates. You know, the Pirates, they haven't really shown that they are a vastly different ball club than the same one that won, you know, 90 plus games last year either. Uh, so, you know, they will certainly be a team, at least in the first half, that's going to be a force to be reckoned with, even though they still have uh, Edison Volquez in the rotation as of right now. Right. When, you know, as, as you said with the Rays, I mean, they're pitching. It's a little bit banged up right now, but the Reds are still at, they still have to face David Price on Friday. They have Alex Cobb on Saturday, so you know, it, it's not like they're really going to have any gimme games here. No, no, they're not. But uh, with Price, we're you know we're countering with Johnny Cueto too. Right, who, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Yeah, too. that is definitely going to be fantastic. Cobb, he's probably going to confuse the Reds hitters quite a bit because they've never seen them before. Uh, you know, and I think we're going, we're going to bring Alfredo Simon to the mix who, you know, a number of the Rays players probably may have remembered back when he was pitching for Baltimore. Right. So who knows, yeah, uh, particularly as a starter. Uh, and then I don't know who's pitching on, uh, you know, uh, on Sunday for, uh, yeah, you know, for the Rays. Yeah, but. they haven't announced that yet. Okay, Singrani. I I honestly think Singrani may have the same effect that the that Cobb may have for the Reds. Mm-hmm. You know, you know he's got that exploding, moving fastball that if you don't know how to hit it the first time around, you're just going to be confused. And we saw that last year quite a bit uh, right. with his first go around with a lot of the teams in the National League. I'm kind of worried about. Uh, what kind of inside info Ryan Hannigan has to, to, to give his compatriots in the dugout? It's true. We, we've all we've all read the interviews he's given before with uh, with Fangrass and whatnot about how intricately he plans with all the pitchers that he caught, which up until this you know this season was all of the red starters who were all still around and still doing their thing. So I'm, I'm slightly worried that he's got some sort of tip yeah. each game to give them. Yeah. Um, he might have some tricks I, up his sleeve. I, I anticipate him playing in at least two of the three games as well. I know he doesn't catch David Price uh, so far this season. I, think, I guess whichever one of them, I guess Jose Molina is still there that's catching. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of Price's personal catcher. Um, but I am kind of worried that he's got some sort of uh, uh, notebook he's going to drop uh, that, that will give them the added advantage. But at the same point, you know, like we said earlier, the Reds really haven't been blown out of any game so far this season. I, I'm not really looking for them to do a whole lot different. Um, you know, Bruce has hit a couple home runs. I'd like to see Votto hit a ball a little bit harder than he has so far. Uh, Hamilton seems to be coming around. Aside from that, 
The offense is kind of evolving. The pitchers have been pretty good. Uh, I, I want them to keep doing what they're doing and hope for the bullpen to stay more effective than they have been and win a couple one-run games or two. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's I'm, I'm with you. That's what determines your season is how well your win-loss record looks in one- and two-run games. Yeah, and, and so quick- far this year, the Reds have been bad. If they can win two or three one-run games in the next six, that's a good homestand in terms of win-losses. It also helps even out all the rest, so... Yeah, and quickly, just wrapping up, I know uh, you know you mentioned what type of book Ryan Hannigan may have on his former players. If there was one pitcher that I would like to see pitch against Ryan Hannigan, it would be Bronson Arroyo, just because <laughs> yeah. supposedly you know Ryan Hannigan, yeah, he keeps this intricate notebook with all the pitchers except Bronson Arroyo. Basically, <laughs> he just does a one for a fastball or two, throw whatever breaking crazy stuff you want. It's fine with me. And yeah, yeah, there's absolutely no way to prepare for that. So I think that's pretty much, uh, you know, that's it. So it sounds like each of us yeah. uh, are hoping, f- you know, to at least win the next two series. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's pretty realistic too. Yeah. So, uh, I guess I, with that, I, I think we're going to wrap it up for this week. Well, this week, this period of time from whenever we record the next one, I Just should say. Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, Fortnite sounds about right. But uh, so make sure to come uh, visit us at our website, www.redreporter.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Follow us on Facebook at Red Reporter Fans. And uh, yeah, so let's, ha- let's have a good homestand. And uh, for Scott and Wick, I'm BK. See you later.